Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Hello, everybody. This is Alex, pastor of Calvary Church. I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for your support in subscribing, liking, sharing our channel with friends and family. It really means the world. And our growth over the last couple of years online has been absolutely incredible. I want to invite you to participate in a special Sunday that we have coming up on Sunday, December 10th. Sunday, December 10th is Heart for the House Sunday at Calvary Church. What is Heart for the House? It's a special offering that we all bring that goes over and above our yearly tithes. This special offering we've been saving and this goes straight to making a difference around the world. It goes to impact our city and it goes to make an influence all around the world. It's because of this offering that this year we've helped thousands of people receive food or an education, hear the gospel. And I'm telling you, your support really makes a massive difference. Would you pray about it and talk to your family and see how you can contribute and help out reach our goal of $500,000? We're all praying about it. It's a special day at Calvary where it's going to set us up to win and continue to make a difference in 2024. Thank you so much. We love our online family. Your support, really, it gets to the heart as we continue taking the gospel of Jesus Christ. We love you. Thank you for being with us. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, Jesus speaking, he says, You are the salt of the earth. Somebody say salt. Salt. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. Now somebody say light. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, cannot be hidden cannot be hidden nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket this is Jesus speaking he says but you put it on a stand and it gives light to all in the house in the same way let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven beautiful section in this sermon that Jesus is giving. We talked about these verses and we've broken it down. What does it mean to be salt? What does it mean to be light? What does it mean to be a city on a hill? We really believe that we're not just here as a church to be in the city, but we're for the city. That means we are going to be missional minded. Today, the fourth part of this series, as we get ready to close this series out next week and We all participate in Heart for the House. What does it mean when he says, do not hide your light or put it under a basket? How can we shine our light so that people can see and glorify their Father in heaven? If you're taking notes, I'm going to talk to you from this title. It's your time to shine. It's your time to shine. High five three people around you. Look at them in the eye and tell them it's your time. It's your time to shine. It's your time to shine. Shine, baby, shine. It's your time 
to shine. Let's pray. I'll talk about this for the next 27 minutes or so. Then we'll go outside. We have pictures with Santa and uh, a bunch of other stuff. I think it's going to be snowing outside. And uh, the temperature just changed really quick in Miami. If you're offended with Santa and you're extremely religious, I want to tell you I love Santa, but I believe Jesus is still Lord. Santa just attracts families. We like to have a good time. Um, so I pray the religious spirit just comes off of you and you enjoy good times at Christmas with family and friends as we preach Jesus. I'm just throwing that out there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for such an amazing Sunday already. Thank you for every service, every gathering. Thank you for every single person connected all over the world that's part of Calvary family. God, we thank you that you're using us, uh, all that we can bring to the table to let our light shine. And God, you're so good and merciful that you use people like us. We love you. We thank you. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that all of Calvary says, yes. come on, all of Calvary says, can you make some noise for Jesus one more time? Jesus is on a hillside and he's talking to a group of friends, disciples, followers that believe he's the Messiah. And he's telling them how they are going to be salt and light a city on a hill. You have to remember who his audience is. They're on that mountainside. He's talking to fishermen. He's talking to tax collectors. He's talking to a band of misfits. He's talking to people that don't measure up to religious standards of those times. He's talking to people that didn't meet the requirements, yet he's telling them, I'm going to use you to make a difference in the world. They probably consider themselves to be broken compared to the religious Pharisees or Sadducees, but God says, I can still use broken things. I had an iPhone several years ago that I dropped 10,000 times. And the last time it fell, it shattered into a million pieces. And um, I decided to keep the phone that way because I didn't want to invest $120 to change the screen. And so for about three, four months, I was using this extremely shattered iPhone. And Diana would tell me all the time, just go change it. Just go change it. I'm like, no, no, I'm going to use those $100 to buy more sneakers. And um, for three months, I was using this phone, and, and, and at the end of three months, my finger had all kind of cuts on it because I refused to change it. But I would tell her, it's broken, but it's still working. <laughs> I think some of us in here, we can relate to Peter, Matthew. We can relate to some of the disciples sitting by Jesus' side, listening to him, thinking, well, I, I don't have the education some of the Pharisees and Sadducees have. I, I'm not a religious leader. There's no way. I'm undereducated, overcomplicated. <laughs> I, I, I can't measure up to what the religious institutions demand. There's no way you can use somebody like me. Have you ever felt underqualified to be used by God? I have three moments in my life that every time I think about being underqualified, there are three specific moments literally in my life that I remember having these overwhelming thoughts of not being qualified to be used by God. The first time, I was probably about 19 years old. I'm part of this young adult ministry that was thriving. And my young adult pastor says, Alex, go with me to this conference. And I'm on the way to pick him up. We're going to the airport. And as I'm picking him up, he says, hey, they gave me a lot of sessions. So I want you to handle one of the sessions and preach. 
I had never spoken publicly. I, I didn't like speaking publicly. I, I, I had all kind of fears come in. I felt like throwing up on the plane. There went my whole morning. I'm just like, what am I going to do? And the overwhelming thought was you're not good enough. You haven't even graduated college. <laughs> you're underqualified. God can't use you. And here was an open door, an opportunity, yet I was convinced I could not do it. Then about a year later, that same young adult pastor calls me and he says, Alex, they need me to go speak at a funeral, at a viewing. I can't make it. I need you to go do it. And I started thinking, if I can't encourage a room full of people that are alive, how can I, how can I ever encourage when there's a dead body in the room? And I was convinced there's no way I can do any of these tasks. Overwhelmed with the thought, I'm not good enough. Alex, you've messed up too many times. You're too broken. You're too messed up. You can't speak publicly. You can't do it. The third time was 2013, the first time I ever got asked to speak in this church. And I had only asked, I had only spoken those other two times and I don't think those went well. And so here I am now, the third time being asked to speak. And the same overwhelming thought is you can't do it. Don't do it. Don't take the opportunity. All weekend long, my knees were shaking. I felt like throwing up. And I was like, there is no way God can use somebody like me. And I think we all can relate to those kind of stories and to the disciples, to the followers of Jesus when he's saying, I want you to be the salt. I want you to be the light. I want you to be the city on a hill. We start to think about all the flaws that we have, every wrong thing that we've done. How can God use somebody like us? What I never took into consideration is that God didn't pick me based on my education, based on my qualities, based on my strength. God picked me because he had a plan in mind way before I was born. But we constantly are convinced and persuaded by the enemy about the lie. And here's the lie. The lie is that we can't be effective because we're defective. There's no way you and I can change the world. Change the world? It seems like such a massive task to be a light, to be salt, to be a city on a hill that's overwhelming. Jesus, what do you mean? You know me. You know what I've done. There's no way you can use somebody like me. And I just sense like the spirit of the Lord says, who lied to you? Who turned off your light? You're letting your past dim your light when I am the light that's going to shine through you. I didn't look through your history to determine if I can use you or not. I didn't look at your education to see if you were qualified enough. I picked you because I'm God and I can pick you whoever I want and I'll anoint them. Come on, it's the strength of God. I, come on, God says I picked you based on my strength, based on my power, based on my light, based on my wisdom. I didn't check your education. I am the God of all wisdom. I didn't pick you based on strength. I'm the God of all strength. I didn't pick you based on history. I got a greater future and destiny than your history. Anybody thankful that God is a good God? Come on. And we're, we just continue to get plummeted by all these thoughts that we're not good enough and we're too messed up. And God says, I'm the one that restores humanity. And I'll use what the world doesn't understand. Charles Spurgeon, the late great preacher of the 1800s said, one drop of Jesus' precious blood could melt a mountain of ice as huge as a million worlds. Woo. 
Let that sit in our heart. Let that sit in your spirit. One drop of the blood of Jesus will wipe our history away. Every sin you've committed, every wrong thing we've done, it's only one drop. Come on, there's power in the blood. You may not have the education, but you have the blood. You may not have the strength, but you have the blood. You may not have it all together, but you have the blood. Anybody thankful for the blood of Jesus? It's the blood that gives power. It's the blood that gives life. It's the blood that heals. It's the blood that transforms. I don't have all the gifts, but I have the blood. I don't have all the wisdom, but I have the blood. Tell your neighbor, it's your time to shine. You got the blood. Come on. Some of us are clapping like we don't really understand. Can I tell you, it's the blood of Jesus and the blood of Jesus alone that has us in here worshiping on a Sunday morning. It's only the blood of Jesus. Woo. It's the blood of Jesus that gives us an opportunity to be broken yet useful. Broken things can still be used. Today, let's think about how beautiful the Savior is when he says, you are the salt, you are the light, you are a city on the hill. Do not hide your light. Today, you and I, we want to change the world. We've got to believe that God uses things that the world may not understand. Paul writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says, but God chose what the world considers nonsense to put wise people to shame. God chose what the world considers weak to put what is strong to shame. And God chose what the world considers ordinary and what it despises, what it considers to be nothing in order to destroy what it considers to be something. God chose you today and he chose me because he wants to show the world it is not based on humanity's strength, but it is based on his strength. It is not based on our light, but it's his light shining through us. It's your time to shine. Today, I'll put it this way, step out in faith to shine your light. You and I, today, we need to step out in faith, believe that God can use us, believe that God can use our life, our, mer our brokenness for his glory and his honor. Can I get an amen? In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is speaking, and we've talked about this for the last several weeks. He's giving the best sermon of all time, and he's talking about the Beatitudes. Then he gets to salt, light, and a city on a hill. We've talked about that already, and you can go back and hear the messages. What does each one mean? But then he gets to verse 15, and he's saying, do not hide your light. One more time, let's read it. We just read it a moment ago, verse 15 and 16. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand, right? If we were in darkness and somebody turned on a flashlight here and it was pitch black, we don't grab that flashlight and put it under a table or a basket. No, we put it in the middle of the room to see if it at least gives some light to a dark room. You don't hide your lamp. Let your light shine. Somebody say shine. Before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Look at those verses right there. Jesus says, let your light shine so that when people see it, they're not going to give you the glory. They're going to give God the glory. We have to let our light shine. However, whenever God wants to use us, allow him to use you so that people may see the glory of God in your life and in my life. Wow, God wants to use me so that people see him. It's an absolutely beautiful responsibility that God has given you and I. So today, regardless of how you got in here, regardless of your situation, God wants to use you. And he says, do not hide 
your light. Don't put it under a basket. Don't put it under a table. But the more I started thinking about it, the more I'm convinced we all put it under a table so many times. We're convinced we're broken. We're convinced we're not useful. We're convinced God can't use somebody like me. I know in a room this size with people listening all over the world that, that there's people listening and you're like, not me. Not me. I, I've been one of those. I've had the opportunities. And, and I checked myself out before God checked me out. I'm not qualified. I'm not good enough. You know what I was doing? I was hiding my light under a basket. I've talked to so many people over the last seven years that God continues to give them opportunity in their workplace, with their family, with their friends. And you know what we do? We hide our light under a basket. You know what we do? We pick the people that we think God can use and we never include ourselves. The reason we pick them is because we don't know the full story. If you knew the full story, you'll say, God would never use them either. So we pick other people where we never pick ourselves, knowing God knows our story, yet he picks us still. You are the salt, you're the light, you're the city on a hill. Do not hide your light. Put it on a stand, not under a basket. There's baskets that come into all our lives. And today I'll just name a few, but these are the baskets I think that try to dim our light hide our light. And maybe you and I, we, we've been there over there today. What, what are some of the baskets that come to hide us? I think there's baskets of shame, right? Like some of us, we're dealing with a shameful past. We're dealing with some sins that perhaps we struggled with or we're still struggling with today. And shame is not letting you let your light shine. If people only knew, if people found out, I would be ridiculed and embarrassed. That's the that's the thought. I'm broken. I'm messed up. Shame causes us to hide in fear. I'm ashamed. Isn't it funny? That's what Adam did in the Garden of Eden. They mess up and what do they do? They go running to the bushes, hiding in shame. Humanity's always been hiding. God has always been chasing. Adam comes down to the garden. And he's like, Adam, my boy. <laughs> what up, my boy? <laughs> right? And where's Adam? Hiding. So some of us today, we're hiding. God can't use us because shame is covering our light. I've been there. Condemnation, number two, baskets of condemnation. I will never forgive myself for this. How many people are walking around with unforgiveness? Not just toward others, toward themselves. You'll never forgive yourself for something that you did, not knowing that if Jesus forgave you, you can walk in freedom today. But it's that condemnation. That's the spirit of the enemy. That is a lie from hell. Then there's the basket of unworthiness. I cannot be used by God. I'll never be good enough. Good. God needs broken people to depend on him, not to depend on self. God, God this is how God operates, right? Basket of fear. What will people think? Oh, if I open up to a coworker and just tell them some thoughts on their situation or perhaps pray for them, they might ridicule me. Fear. Oh, if at the family gathering this Christmas, I say a prayer before eating, oh, my family will throw me down. Right? Like, fear. If I ever decide to pray for a friend or a family member, if I ever share the gospel with somebody, fear stops us from hiding our light. And then, absolutely, confusion. How do I even begin? What do I do? We don't know how to share the gospel. We don't know how to talk to people. And I get it. It can be confusing at times. 
And so we go back. Just I'm too broken. I'm too messed up. I'll, I'll just let others shine their light. And Jesus is like, no, you're the salt. You're the light. Not just Pastor Adam, Arnold, Vlad, Raquel. Not just Diana. Not just a few people. Like, no, you are the salt and the light. You are a city on a hill. Each and every single one of us. You are the salt. You are the light. You are sitting. No, but I'm too broken. I'm too messed up. See, here's the problem. We literally put our characteristics on God. You and I, we throw broken things. God usually, broken things away. God usually breaks things before he uses them. Something breaks, we throw it away. God's like, no, before I use you, I got to break you. Because I want you dependent on me, not dependent on self. And so today, if you're broken, it's a good thing. God uses broken things. It's your time to shine your light. If we're to be a city that makes a difference, if we're to be a city on a hill, the light, if we're to be the salt, we have to be a church that understands God uses all of us. Irrespective of our past, doesn't matter what happened, doesn't matter what you've done, come with the shame, come with the condemnation, come with all that you got. God can use broken things. He's a good God. He's an awesome God. What does Romans chapter 8 says? Paul reminds us, as he himself is conflicted, now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Today, it's time to take that basket off. It's time to take that lid off. It's time to take that shame off. It's time to take, take off condemnation. Come on, every lie of the enemy, every broken thing that the enemy wants to throw in your face, say, I am in Jesus. It's time to let your light shine. Can I get an amen? Okay, so maybe we're like, okay, how do I do it? How do I begin? How can God use me? I want to give you a quick, practical way, and you can come up with a million. If you go home, talk to your family, buddy. I'll give you three quick, practical ways that I think God wants to use us. How? What? What can God use in our life? Number one, he uses our talents or our giftings. Somebody say talents. Right? God uses our giftings or our skill sets. And God is holding us accountable for what he's given us. He's given you a gift. He's giving you a gift and you a gift and you a gift. He's giving me a gift. What we do with those gifts, he's going to come back and ask what you did. He's not going to ask me for what you did with your life. He's going to ask you with what you did for your life. And if he comes back and sees you never used the gifts he gave you, that's going to be an awkward conversation. It reminds me, years ago, somebody gave us, uh, I think it's called pane cota. It's uh, a fruit bread. Right? Is that, is that how it's called? And they gave it to us for Christmas, and it, it was a nice gift, but we never ate it. It's not my favorite thing to eat, so we put it on the kitchen counter. And I'll never forget, several months later, this person came to visit our home, and, and the box was still unopened on the counter. They're like, oh, you still? Yeah, no, yeah, just haven't had time to eat it. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. I think, if I'm not mistaken, several months later, they came by again and we still had the bread box out, unopened. What are you doing with the gift that God has given you? The day of tomorrow, God visits us and he says, hey, what'd you do with the skill set that I gave you, the talents that I gave you? And God wants to use all of our giftings for his glory. God, but I'm, I'm not asking you that. God, but you know my history. I didn't give you that based on your history. God, but you know what I've done in my life. Listen, you're, it's God that you're talking to. I know that, and I still gifted you with a purpose. 
Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is giving a story, a parable. And he says, there was this master who gave talents to his servants. And to each one, three of them, he gave different amounts. After some time, Jesus comes back and he's asking, what'd you do with what I gave you? And only two of them did something with it. They invested it. They got some interest back, meaning they did something with the giftings, the talents that God gave them. At the end of the story, Jesus says, this is what the master says. And of course, he's talking about God and us. He ordered, take the money from the servant, the one that did nothing with it, and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they've been given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. You and I, we have some gifts from God. God has gifted you. Maybe perhaps your gift is to sing. Maybe your gift is to be a leader. Maybe your gift is to organize. Maybe your gift is to be an athlete. Whatever gift you have, you can do it for God's glory. And you can tell the world the story about Jesus through your gifting. We have people in our church, professional athletes, they do it in their field. We have people in our church that are leaders in business and they do it for God's glory. We have people in our church that know how to organize. That's their gifting. And they do it for God's glory. Whatever gifting God has given you, do it for the glory of God. If not, he'll come back. And from time to time, he'll check. And if you don't use your gift, he'll take the gift. I think that's one way that we can let our light shine. What are you doing? How can you build the body of Jesus with your gifting? It'll be a shame if we go through our whole life and never use what God has given us. There's physical gifts. There's also spiritual gifts. Somebody say spiritual gifts. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is to serve others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is to give, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Come on, how good is that? Whatever gift or talent God has given you, do it. You have physical gifts that he's given you, right? Talents and skill set. But the spirit comes and gives you spiritual gifts. Some of you can prophesy. Some of you can speak in tongues. Some of you can teach. Some of you are encouragers. Some of you are givers. Whatever gift that God has given you, use it for his honor and for his glory. God always gets the praise. Think. I think number one, we have to realize God has given us talents to let our light shine. What talents has God given you? Number two, not only talents, God has given us treasures that we can let his light shine through our treasures. Somebody say treasure. Two of the biggest treasures that are tied to humanity's heart is time and money. Don't mess with my time, don't mess with my money, right? That's kind of humanity's mentality toward these two things. Well, be careful how you use your time because it's a limited resource. You and I are not going to be in this physical shell forever. So what we do here in our time on earth matters. The Apostle Paul, speaking of time in the book of Ephesians, he says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What are you doing with the time, the years that God has given you? 
for some, he's given 40, 50 years. For some, 70, 80. For some, 90. But whatever time you have, what are you doing with the time that God has given you? Let your light shine with the time that God has given you. How many times do we say, I'll do it tomorrow? I'll join Dream Team next week. You know what? Next year. Next year, I'm going to get it all together, and then I'll come, and I'll start letting my light shine. Number one, God never asked you to get it all together. He's saying, come as you are, and I'll help you get it all together. And then number two, you don't know if tomorrow you'll be here. I can serve God with my treasure, my time. That's why some of us serve. Like, I remember when I started serving at church, some of my friends in high school were like, wait, Every Sunday you go to your church and you, you give time. I'm like, every Sunday. Why? Why don't we go to the beach? I'm like, first of all, I'm 15, 16. My parents won't let me go anywhere. <laughs> Second of all, I can go after about noon when church is over. <laughs> and they're like, well, let's go grab breakfast. Let's go out. I'm like, no. I, I first give God my time. And they didn't understand that because they didn't have the revelation of the salvation of God. I was so in love with God because he saved me that I said, how could I not give back my time? Some people don't understand. You volunteer at a church on Sundays. Why? Sunday's the day we have off, go to the beach, go to the pool, barbecue. Dolphins are playing. Dolphins haven't won nothing. But still. And although, like, although God didn't save me, I grew up in church. Listen, I've been in church my whole life, right? I grew up with McGee and me, Veggie Tales, DC Talk, Carmen. Like, I grew up in church with all of these things. I didn't get shot nine times. I wasn't in no gangs. I wasn't in any of that. But I had a revelation that if it was not for God, I could have gone astray. I could have been dead. I could have been way more broke. I could have been lost. But because he's been good, I serve him. Because he's been good and kept me, I give him my life. Some of us, we have a story. He he kept me. He kept me. He watched over me. He saved me when I was in a hospital. He kept me out of prison. Some of you, you have a testimony. You've been through hell and back. How can we not give him the time? How can we not serve him? How can we not praise him? Come on. He's a good God. And so I'm going to let my, my light shine through my time. I'm going to give God time. I got hired here 10 years ago. Before that, I was working somewhere else, 40, 50, 60 hours. And then I would come and I'll give my time because I just love Jesus. I love you. Nobody asked me. Nobody forced me. I've been serving since I was 13. Right? 13. I was, in, I was back there in the volume controls. I was messing everything up at 13, but they allowed me to serve. And I just loved it. I loved the church. I understood. Number one, he wants to use our time. Number two, he also wants to use our money. Right? And money, God uses money for good works. It's how we let our light shine. Another way is through our money, through our treasure. The problem is we've been an idol of this treasure, especially in our country. Mm, here we go. I knew Alex sooner or later was going to talk about money. Jesus talked more about money than anything else because he knows the idol that it creates in the human heart. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus speaking, he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. You're building up all this treasure on earth. Number one, somebody can steal it. Number two, when you die, you ain't taking it with you. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust, thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I love that last line. Jesus says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. In other words, Jesus was telling his followers then, if you say you love me, but you love more the things of this world, your heart is there and not with me. 
Not saying that money's evil. Come on, we know that. We're mature people. Money's not evil. It's the love of money. Some of us, were so in love with money, it's dimming our light. And I think that God always just wants to break idols off our life. And here are two ways to break the idol of money off our life. Two ways that God uses all throughout Scripture to break idols off our life. That's tithing and offering. You want to let your light shine? Break that idol of money off your life. In other words, obedience and generosity. You become the most generous person. Money will not be an idol in your life. Alex, how do I let my light shine? God can use your money to let your light shine. Tithing and offering. Tithing's found all throughout Scripture. If you don't know what tithing is, tithing just means 10%. It's what we did early in our service. Every week, some of us, we get 10% of our income to God. Now, you may be like, 10%, that's a lot. You can see it that way, or you can see it this way. It all belongs to God. And he, let, he lets me keep 90% of his money instead of me trying to handle 100% of money that's not mine. Because everything that he gives us comes from his hand alone. So in the Old Testament, he, he told the people, I want you to give a tenth of all that you make, of all your grains, of all that you make. Bring a 10% and honor God with it. In the New Testament, a lot of people are like, well, in the New Testament, Jesus never talked about it. Yes, he alluded to it multiple times, number one. Number two, you're right. He went from 10% to 100%. So I tell people all the time, Okay, pick New Testament or Old Testament. You want to give 10%? Or do we want to join the early church and give 100% of all we make? People are like, I like the Old Testament. It's one of my favorites. I'm go read Joshua again. <laughs> all, all, all to say, God just wants to make the idol off our life. Some of us serve money more than we do God. Some of us let our light shine for all these other companies more than we do for the church of Jesus Christ. Let your light shine. Look what the early church did. 100% generous. This is how generous they were. In verse 45, it says, they were selling their possessions and their belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. How were they being salt, light in a city on a hill? Number one, some of them were using their leadership skills. Some of them were using their teaching, preaching, prophesying skills. But also, they were selling their possessions, bringing their money, and providing for those that had need. Alex, how do I begin to be used by God? Give them your talents. Give them your gifts. Give them your skill sets. Number two, give them your time. Give them your finances. Today, maybe you, you've never tied. Can I tell you, you start there and watch how God will bless you. There's a spiritual ble blessing in tithing. And if you want to go over and above, you give generously. You start giving offerings and watch what God will do in your life. Offering is anything over and above 10%. And watch how God will bless your life. Well, why does God require it? Why do we give? Well, we give because, number one, it honors God. Number two, it builds the kingdom of God. And number three, it supplies for good works. Number three things. Why do we, why, what does our giving do? It honors God, it builds the kingdom, and then it supplies for good works. We want a church that changes the world. It's going to take money. We want a church to go feed orphanages around the world. It's going to take money. We want to give to our city. It's going to take money. We're not sponsored by the government. I'm not sponsored by Coca-Cola or Nike. This is all God's people giving sacrificially so that we can change the world together. Jesus said, Jesus said, oh, let your light shine so that others may see it. They see your good works and they'll give glory to God. I'll never forget, I went to Africa four years ago, going on five. 
I went to Uganda, Africa. For the first time, I was invited by Compassion. Come look at some of the things that we do. We were thinking about partnering with them. And I go to Compassion. I'm there in Uganda, Africa, one of the poorest places in Africa. They said, hop on a bus. We're going to take you guys to this one village where this church in Argentina donated thousands of dollars to start a CDC center and all of that. And I was with Pastor Chris. We get in there, and they're going to show him what his church has done. We get on the bus, and we start going, and it was an hour into the jungle. As we get closer, I see all these kids running out in the street with Argentina flags. And all of them are running around the bus. I mean, it looked like Messi was in the bus, and they're just all chanting, going crazy. And as we get closer, it's hundreds of kids, hundreds of kids come out. All of them were Argentina flags. Chris starts crying. All of a sudden, us crying. We're like, what is going on? And the tour guide said, well, Chris, your church a year ago sent thousands and thousands of dollars to build this orphanage here. And now the kids, every day, get a meal. Every day, they get an education. And every day, they get the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they are so thankful. Oh, come on. I'm telling you what another church did. And this is where they see your good works and then they'll glorify your Father in heaven. It's time to shine. Come on, it's your time to shine. God can use your gifts. God can use your talents. He can use our time and He can use our finances. Anybody thankful for that good God that we have? I may not be going to Africa every week, but my money can go. I may not be able to go to India every week, but my money can go. God's going to use our talents, our treasure, and we'll finish with this. God will use our testimonies to let your light shine. I never thought that God could use my skill set. I'm too broken. I never thought that God could use my time or my money because I'm too hurt. I'm too messed up. Alex, you don't know my story. I don't know your story. But all of us have scars. We're about to leave. We're about to go outside and have a good time. But, but let God use your life for his glory not just a leader, not just a pastor that goes up on different platforms all over the world today to preach the gospel. He can use your life. I have this, I have this one scar underneath my left knee. It's a small scar. I talk about it like it's a massive scar. I remember that. It's like, it's a small scar. I'm like, this is my war story and I'm sticking to it. But I have this little scar underneath my left knee. But every time I see it, it reminds me of what happens. I was about 10 years old. My parents took me to Amelia Earhart in Hialeah. I'm a product of Hialeah. And um, we were at the park. The whole family was at the park. We were having a good time. And I remember I saw the lake. I don't know why I wanted to run closer to the lake. And I take off running toward the lake. And what I don't notice is there's a man in a bike coming our way. And I run into his bike. He runs into me. And I think it's the spoke of the wheel. That's what you call it. It goes right into my leg. And... Uh, Literally ripped my leg open. I'm bleeding everywhere. It was awesome. My parents rushed me. They're like, let's go to the hospital. We don't have insurance. Let's go home. And so, um, <laughs> hydrogen peroxide and some butterfly stitches. You're going to be okay. Sana, sana. Yeah. You know. And so I have a scar. And it, again, it's not a massive scar, but, but I see it every time, and it reminds me of the park every time. My scar reminds me of the park. I think some of us today, we, we hear, you are the salt. You are the light. You're the city on a hill. And we hear the words of Jesus, 
But all we see is the scars that remind us of the pain. And I can picture Peter. Can you imagine Mary Magdalene? Matthew, Zacchaeus, all sitting next to Jesus. All of them have scars of who they've been and what they've done. Are you talking to us, Jesus? Like, we're, we're a bunch of misfits. We're broken. Matthew's like, I've cheated people out of money. I don't know if I can be salt, light, or city. And it was the basket of shame. Peter's like, oh, I, I was a fisherman that cussed everybody out. And I cut ears left and right. I don't know if God can use me. And there's the basket of condemnation, fear. Mary Magdalene? She was a woman of the night. Imagine her basket that wants to dim her light. And often it's our scars that try to convince us that God can't use us. You're too scarred. You're too scarred. There was an old Christian band that had a song, and one of the lines says, your wounds is where God's light shines the brightest. I love that. Today, God knows we have scars. God knows we're broken. But he's the God that mends our brokenness. And he puts us back together. We had a communion earlier today. His body was broken so that you and I could be made whole. What a beat. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's what we believe today. We're not up here praising, worshiping, teaching, all of that because we're perfect. No, because the perfect one gave himself for us. In Japan, they have a beautiful art tradition. It's called the Kintsugi. And um, I hope I pronounced that right, but what they do is that they grab these art pieces that have been broken and uh, with golden uh, liquid, they, they literally piece it back together. And they actually consider what they put back together to be more valuable and more beautiful than one that is absolutely new and not broken. And it's the, it's the beauty that things that are broken can still be used. And you see this vase, you see this art piece, and as you hold it up against the light, you'll see the gold reflect the light. And it's an absolutely beautiful piece. And it's worth a whole ton of money. And it's a beautiful art form that they do. You know, God is, is much like that. God grabs our broken pieces. Here, give me that area of your life that's full of trauma, abuse, shame. Give me all of that. And I'll piece it back together. And it's the blood of Jesus that comes by and fills the gaps and the cracks of your life and my life. Come on. And he says, oh, it's through those wounds where my light is going to shine the brightest. Psalm 147. Psalm 147. He heals the broken heart and he binds up their wounds. Today, Jesus wants to grab all the pieces of your life and my life. And he wants to put it back together. And it's through the wounds where his light will shine the brightest. Can you imagine Peter later telling his story? Once Jesus ascended into glory, can you imagine Peter sitting down over coffee with some friends and say, I was a mess. Oh, I got some scars and some wounds I can tell you about. But it's through that that I'll say that he takes the weakness of men and he shows us his strength. Can you imagine Mary Magdalene showing off her scars and stories of where she had been, but what God had done in her life? Can you imagine Paul, the murderous Pharisee, who then sits with people and say, oh, my story was wild, but God, he was so good, and now it's my time to shine for his life.
It's what Jesus did after resurrection. You want to talk about having wounds and scars? Jesus had them. The Bible says he had wounds in his hands and he had a scar on his side. And after he resurrects, he goes to visit his friends who absolutely do not believe he's going to resurrect. And he just walks into their gathering. They're all hanging out, eating hummus and pita chips. And Jesus walks in and Thomas does not believe Jesus is resurrected. And what, is, what does Jesus do? He shows them his scars, his wounds. And he says, Thomas, do you believe now? It's through his wounds that his light is going to shine the brightest. You got scars? Jesus does too. You got wounds? Jesus does too. And Jesus says, trust the Father and his light will shine through. Want us to stand up to our feet. If you don't know Jesus today, you feel far from God. This is the day of salvation. It's today, the Bible says. Maybe you're saying, Alex, I'm full of sin. I'm full of things that you can never imagine. Maybe you, you feel like you're too addicted and bound up. Today, I want to tell you, there's salvation in Jesus. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. Every single one of us, we've sinned. The Bible says that our sin separates us from God. But God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, so that whosoever believes in him will not die, but have everlasting life. The Bible says that the wages of sin are death. In other words, death is going to kill you slowly, but surely sin kills. But the gift of God is eternal life. Every eye closed, every head bowed in a moment of privacy. Jesus took my sin, your sin. Come on, we're praying in a moment of prayer. Jesus took our sins. He went up on a cross. Jesus died for you. He died for your sins. That thing that keeps replaying in your mind, Jesus died for it. Today, if you don't know Jesus, or maybe you're like me, you grew up in church, but you walked away. You haven't had a relationship with God in a long time. Today, you can get recommitted and say, Jesus, I need you. The Bible says, he took my sin, your sin, went up on a cross. He paid the ultimate price for sin, went down to a grave. Jesus was dead for three days, but after three days, he resurrected. Jesus is alive. He's the only one that saves. Nothing else will save you. Your car won't save you. Your house won't save you. Your spouse won't save you. None of that brings joy, salvation, peace, hope. None of that. Some of us know you've had it all and still won't fill you. The only one is Jesus. When every eye closed, every head bowed, today if you're saying, Alex, I need Jesus. I want salvation. I want forgiveness for my sins. The Bible says what you need to do is to confess Jesus as Lord. Repent of your sins. That just means turn around. Your life is headed in one direction today, today, today you turn around and you say, Father, I'm walking towards you. Today is the day of salvation. Jesus is alive. He wants to give you hope, peace, joy, salvation, forgiveness. I'm going to count to three of that. See, I want you to raise your hand as high as you can if you're saying, I need Jesus. I need forgiveness. I need a brand new beginning. I want him to be my Lord and Savior. At the count of three, you raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. In fact, every eye closed, every head bowed. I want to see who I'm praying for, and then you can put your hand right back down. One, two, three. Raise your hand as high as you can. You're saying, I need Jesus. Raise it up. Hands raising up everywhere, everywhere. Raise it up. Raise it up. Raise it up. I see you. 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 God bless you. You, 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 you. All over the auditorium. I see you. 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 Awesome. 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 God bless you. You can put your hands back down everywhere. Awesome. Awesome. I saw you back there. 
All of you, raise your hands. Say this prayer with me from the bottom of your heart. In fact, the whole church out loud. We're going to say this prayer. Then Pastor John's going to tell you about a free gift that we have. And we're going to leave out of here singing this song one more time. Come on, all of us, say one big voice out loud. Repeat after me. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. Today I confess that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you resurrected. Come on, say, Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. From today on, I'm forgiven, I'm saved, and I'm healed. Amen. There's a party happening in heaven and we want to continue to celebrate you. Let me be the first to let you know you just made the greatest decision of your entire life. You're going to make millions of decisions across your life, but there is none like this one. As you have the living God beside you, around you, He is for you. He is not against you. And so as a matter of fact, today is like a brand new birthday. And so we want to celebrate you even more. As a matter of fact, we have an amazing team right outside called the Connect Team. They have a tent outside. We want to give you a free gift and you're going to see some of the things that are on it. We got a mug for you. We got a free coffee voucher a journal, but more importantly, there's also a Bible in here because we want, we believe that God still wants to speak to you and he does so through his word. And so make sure you grab one of these, go ahead and talk to our team. They're ready to pray for you and be there. But one more time, can we make some noise for everybody who just made a decision to follow Jesus in the room? Amazing, amazing, amazing. I think we should continue worshiping just a little bit, but I'd love to pray for you just one last time for your week. As I believe a word like this is not just for a Sunday, but it's for a Monday through Sunday for the rest of our lives. So if you can, let's lift up our hands. Let's pray one more time. And then we're gonna go ahead and leave here celebrate. Lord, we thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your goodness, for your grace, God. Lord, I thank you that today we don't stay broken, but in you, we are made new. We are made whole because of your broken, because you first took brokenness for us, God. Lord, we give you all praise. We give you all honor and all glories. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you, church. We'll see you next Sunday.